In our 11 o'clock service this morning, uh, we began a series in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and, and just focused on uh, Paul's hope, the hope that he had, and uh, the fact that the Bible is literally just filled with hope. And of course, uh, Bible hope is, as we said this morning, uh, a number of times, I believe, uh, Bible hope is a confidence in God's promises. Uh, it's a wonderful confidence in uh, the fact that God's promises are true. He keeps them, uh, and he will keep them. He's unchanging, and his promises are unchanging. This, uh, this evening, I mean to say, this evening, we'll return to uh, the Psalms, Psalm 149 tonight, uh, and take the um, opportunity, uh, as the Psalm encourages, uh, to praise God. I mean, just these things that we've looked at already today give us uh, so many reasons to be filled with praise for the Lord. He instructs us in practical matters of life, uh, and he fills with his word with hope so that our hearts and our lives can be filled with hope rather than the hopelessness of the world. And boy, I don't know about you tonight, but I am, I am thankful for that. And uh, so we'll praise him tonight. Uh, We'll praise him here, uh, encourage you to praise him uh, at home or wherever you are uh, as you're listening and watching, and uh, we'll, we'll trust God to bless. Let's go ahead and open in prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you for being a God who is so very worthy of praise. Lord, I do praise you tonight. Father, I, uh, I lift you up tonight. I pray, Lord, that... In this message, I would not be heard, but that you would be heard. I pray in this message that I would not be seen, but that you would be seen. Lord, I pray that um, as we um, spend time together in your words tonight, that you would be exalted, that you would be lifted up. Lord, that we would have a, a right understanding of our position beneath you, uh, beneath your authority and your mightiness. Uh, and Father, at the same time, a gratitude for your presence and work in our lives. Uh, Lord, thank you tonight again for the great hope that we know because of Christ. And Lord, I thank you again tonight, Father, uh, for sending your only begotten Son. And I thank you for the plan of salvation, uh, which is the, the very root. It's at the very heart of our hope. Lord, thank you for a Savior, uh, God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who died on the cross taking the punishment that I deserve for my sins upon himself. And Lord, I thank you tonight for the, the truth of your word that teaches that uh, the, the punishment that Christ took is paid on to my account and his righteousness is paid on to my account, uh, imputed to my account when I simply turn to him with a humble, repentant faith and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need you to be my savior. And so I place my faith in you. Lord, thank you tonight for the truth of your word. Now, Father, I pray that uh, we would again take up the topic of, of praise uh, and, and praiseworthiness, uh, and Lord, that we would uh, just be instructed in your words tonight and encouraged by you, and Lord, that we would apply these things uh, to our lives with a greater and growing praise uh, that would please you. Lord, I love you, I thank you, I praise you. Uh, in Jesus' name I pray, uh, amen. So here we are tonight, we're in Psalm uh, 149. It's just nine verses, 
Uh, Lord willing, next week we'll look at Psalm 150, just six verses. Um, let's read through the, 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 these nine verses of Psalm 149. Of course, it begins and ends uh, with praise ye the Lord. Uh, that's what this portion of the Psalms deals with. Uh, we're reminded tonight in the Hebrew, that's hallelujah. Literally, praise ye, everyone is commanded to praise the Lord. Uh, sing unto the Lord a new song, verse 1. And his praise in the congregation of saints. Let Israel rejoice, verse 2, let Israel rejoice in him that made him. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Verse 3 commands, let them praise his name uh, in the dance. Let them sing praises unto him with the timbrel and harp, using music. For the Lord uh, taketh pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. What a, what a wonderful phrase. What a wonderful promise. This is one of the three places in Scripture uh, where the word beautify occurs. He will beautify the meek with salvation. What a beautiful thing salvation is. Uh, philosophers struggle uh, to know what is beautiful, what defines beauty. Well, the Bible defines salvation as beautiful. Uh, it is beautiful in God's eyes. Lord, help it to be beautiful in our eyes. Verse 5 says, let the saints be joyful in, the, in glory. Let them sing aloud uh, upon their beds. We'll talk about that phrase. Verse 6, 7, 8, and 9 seem to look ahead to the return of Christ and praising Christ for that final victory that he will have over his enemies uh, there in the battle of Armageddon. I believe this uh, final uh, portion uh, of the short psalm alludes to that time. Verse 6 says, Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance upon the heathen and punishments upon the people to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, those that will be arrayed against Israel and the Lord at Armageddon. Uh, verse 9, to execute upon them the judgment written, this honor have all his saints. Of course, if you're saved tonight, we'll, uh, as we understand scripture, and I believe we have this correct, quite sure of that, in fact, uh, next thing we're looking for is the, the rapture, the catching away of God's people uh, to meet him in the air, uh, to heaven in our glorified bodies. Seven years will go by of difficulty and uh, tribulation upon the earth. Well, first three and a half years will look okay, but the second will be filled with trials and difficulties. God will use those trials to get uh, the attention of the Jewish people, uh, and then he will return with us, uh, with us who were saved before the rapture. Uh, the Bible says, this honor have all his saints. We will be with him. Uh, when he is revealed at his second coming and at that great victory over all of his enemies. And so the, the, the chapter, the psalm, the song concludes again with praise ye the Lord. We have great reasons and purposes uh, to praise him. Can you even imagine, well, just think for a moment, what will it be like uh, when we're raptured? What, what a joyful thing to consider uh, to meditate upon. Boy, that'll be wonderful. Uh, and then uh, consider what it will be like to be home with the Lord in heaven and in the presence of the resurrected Christ. Boy, that'll be wonderful. Uh, and then to come back with him at his second coming uh, at the end of the tribulation 
uh, to defeat his enemies will be there with him uh, and, and then to walk into the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ uh, upon earth. Uh, it's not the new heaven and new earth at that point, but certainly uh, it'll be a greatly improved, uh, a greatly improved earth. And uh, what a joyful time we have to look forward to. All made possible because of Christ. All made possible because of the cross. The blood that he shed to cover our sins that allows us to enter into all of the promises that God has made to his people. We become his people when we place our faith in Christ. Boy, I encourage you today, if you have any questions about that, uh, if you're unsure that your sins are forgiven, if you're uncertain uh, if heaven is your future, uh, be sure about that. Today is the day of salvation, the Bible says. Simply humble your heart. Uh, say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. The Bible says all have sinned to come short of the glory of God. Uh, the Bible says the wages of sin is death. That's a physical and a spiritual death. Spiritual death involves a very real hell. That can be avoided as we place our faith in Christ, as we know his forgiveness, uh, as we know God the Father's forgiveness because of the righteousness of, of God the Son being paid on to our account. Uh, we have a great deal, a great deal to praise him for. Uh, come to him tonight if you've not made that decision yet. Well, let's jump into our passage here. I want you uh, to make a few observations. Whenever I um, approach a passage, and a short one is kind of a good way to see this, I always look at what words seem to appear most frequently, what, uh, what seems to show up the most. And sometimes I'll highlight or underline, sometimes in different colors, uh, the same word reappearing or similar ideas. And as you do that, you can begin to get a sense of what seems to stand out. In this particular psalm, we see the word praise six times. And that's not a surprise. We're in this section of, of the psalms. Uh, so uh, God's people are commanded, of course, to praise. Uh, and then uh, whom? Of course, it's the Lord. And, and sure enough, that word Lord shows up four times uh, here in the passage. And um, and then you can ask, well, who's supposed to do that? Well, it's the saints, uh, his people. Uh, that, that word shows up three times in the passage. Uh, and then we have some specifics about how God wants us to do that uh, here in this passage. We have references to singing. Uh, here there's references as well to dancing. Uh, we'll talk about that. I think singing is more relevant for today. Uh, it's an interesting thought that we may dance, uh, worshipful dance, uh, after the Lord's return in the future, perhaps. That's a possibility. Uh, we know David danced before the Lord <laughs> worshipfully and so forth. Um, and we see here that our, our heart is to be filled with joy, uh, joyfulness, um, as we praise. So, you know, we, you, you start looking at what words show up um, the most, and that could be a great help to you as you're trying to understand what a given passage uh, a given psalm, a, a, a given chapter of Proverbs, what, what, what have you. This is a great way uh, to begin studying a passage and trying to, to see for yourself what, what's the theme, what's it really dealing with. And so we see here again, it's, it's easy. In this case, it's praise and our command from God uh, to praise the Lord. By the way, I want to stop and remind us of this this morning. Whether it's the command to praise God or it's the command to take up those personal financial principles that we saw in Proverbs 22. 
uh, or whether it's God's desire that we be hopeful people, please don't ever forget that it's the Lord that makes it possible to obey him in any of these and all of these areas. You cannot do it on your own. Uh, we need to, to, to submit, to yield, that's our part, uh, to see what the Bible says and to yield ourselves and say, uh, Lord, sure enough, I'd, I'd like to obey you in this area, uh, and then to ask him for grace to do just that. Listen, it's because of Christ that we can uh, obey the Lord in, in any of these areas. Without him, we would not be saved. Uh, we would not be indwelt by the Spirit of God who makes possible uh, our sanctification, our growing obedience, our growing set-apartness or holiness uh, in, in our lives in, in a practical sense. And so it's all about Christ. It's not about us at all. It's all about what he has done that has made it possible for us to find strength in the Lord uh, to obey his words. And, of course, you know when we do, uh, things work better. Uh, we, we do better practically, uh, we do better emotionally, uh, and we certainly do better spiritually. And you praise God for that tonight, because you know that's true. Well, when, you're, when you slip away from the Lord or you're not yielded to the Spirit of God and you're, you're not really uh, being diligent to be in the Bible and, uh, and, and bowing your, your ear and your heart to God's Word and allowing the Holy Spirit to work through it, you start to slip away. You know things start to slip. Uh, you know that. We start to suffer practically and emotionally uh, and certainly spiritually. Uh, Lord, help us to just be people of your words who walk closely with you, not in our strength, but in your strength. So uh, let's do dive in here tonight and make a few observations uh, here about praising the Lord. Now, in, in a sense, we've, we've already kind of revealed the major principles of, of the, the passage just by looking at those words uh, that appear more, uh, more often. But, but let's dig in here and, and look at it a little bit more carefully uh, with our time tonight. So uh, we see here uh, tonight, I'll give you a few main points just to give us sort of a, a framework for our notes. Uh, the first thing I want us to be reminded of tonight is biblical praise is directed to the right person. Uh, biblical praise is directed to the right person, and of course, that's the Lord. Uh, I said this morning, you can hope in all sorts of things, in people, and ideas, and uh, principles of the world, philosophies, what have you. Uh, you can also choose to praise all kinds of people. You know, you want to get yourself worked up, start praising someone. Uh, you can do that, but what we're, the person who we're commanded to praise uh, is the Lord. Look with me at verse 1 again. Praise uh, ye uh, the Lord. Now, as we're getting to the end of this part of, of the Bible that deals with praising God, let's be reminded again, what exactly is praise? Uh, I think you have a good sense of it at this point. Uh, I hope you, you could give a definition. Uh, if, if that's not the case, get this down. Praise is giving adoration. Uh, praise involves gratitude and giving thanks. Uh, praise involves gratitude and giving thanks. When you praise someone, uh, you are adoring them. You're giving adoration to them. Uh, you are thankful for them, and so you are doing that. You're exalting them, you're lifting them up, uh, and expressing gratitude for what they have done, or perhaps what they are doing, uh, and or perhaps what they will do. And of course, when we praise the Lord, we're, we're uh, lifting him up and exalting him and uh, giving him adoration. 
uh, because of what he has done, because of what he is doing, and because of what he will do uh, for us. For us. Now, I realize what he does for us is ultimately for his glory. That's okay. He's God. Uh, I'm his creation. He's the creator. I, I'm the created. Uh, at the end of the day, he, he, has, he has done, is doing, and will do uh, a great deal more for me than I deserve. And that's his grace. That's grace. He's a God who is merciful and who loves us uh, and therefore chooses to treat us uh, and to make better promises uh, to us than we deserve. Of course, we deserve nothing. Uh, we're sinners. Uh, we're saved only because his grace, uh, his uh, willingness, uh, because of his love and his mercy and his, his gracious nature, uh, his willingness to treat us much better than we deserve. Of course, that's made possible, again, because of the cross. It's made possible because of the cross. So we see here, praise ye the Lord. Uh, who's the praising? Ye. It's all of God's people. The, the, the phrase applies to all of God's people. Who is to be praised? The Lord. Uh, praise ye the Lord. Uh, moving uh, across the verse, verse 1, we begin to see uh, some of the specific ways that God wants us uh, to praise him. Now, it's ironic that we didn't sing tonight, but that's not, that's the exception to the rule for us. We, we normally sing and, and sing quite a bit. Uh, the Lord desires to be praised uh, in song. Uh, you, you know, if you want to search the Bible for how should I praise God, we've, we've been searching the Psalms for uh, the commands to praise him and, and the reasons to praise him and the basis uh, for that praise. And now God gets real practical about how specifically he wants us to do that. This is the language of a command or an imperative. Sing unto the Lord. The Lord wants us to sing uh, to him. Now, when we come in, uh, we know that uh, we sing because the Bible commands us to sing. God desires that. Uh, and listen, I enjoy that too. I, I hope you enjoy it. And if you don't, it's a good prayer uh, to pray, God, help me to have a heart to sing. God, give me a, uh, an appreciation and a desire and a joy in singing to you because that pleases you. And, of course, if we're singing the right kinds of things, uh, we're satisfying the, uh, the, the um, teaching of Colossians 3 and verse 16 also, which shows us that our singing, in addition to pleasing God as we worship him, uh, God desires that our, our singing would be instructive to each other as well. So uh, that just like so many other things, there's a, there's a horizontal component to this, teaching each other, and a vertical component, praising the Lord uh, and pleasing him as well. So the Bible says here, uh, sing unto the Lord a new song. In context, we see pretty clearly that's one of the ways that God wants us uh, to praise him. Now we have this phrase here, a new song, uh, a new song. And, and what is this all about? Um, today, uh, in, in recent years, some, some have said, well, they must be literally new songs. They must be songs that, that are written very recently. Uh, and usually there's an argument that they should uh, be in contemporary styles, uh, which necessarily make them worldly styles, at least most of the time. This is not the idea at all. Uh, this is not the idea at all. It, it's, listen, the, the psalms aren't getting any younger. You realize that. And, and they were written as songs, and uh, God has preserved them. And, uh, boy, I'd love to be able to find a way to sing them more. 
they, they references to the psalms show up in many of our hymns, but it would be wonderful if we could find a practical way to sing the psalms. That's something uh, to pray about. But the idea is not necessarily that, that we, we, there's nothing wrong, of course, with singing songs that are new, uh, literally written recently, but the idea here is that uh, in our hearts, there should be a song that is different than what was in our hearts before we were saved. Uh, you understand when you came to Christ, you were made a new creature. Having been made a new creature, the Lord desires there be a new song in our hearts. Not the worldly junk of most of the contemporary music uh, in our area. It'd be We Be 108 and stuff like that. Uh, and, and even honestly, the, the Christ, most of the Christian uh, uh, radio stations that you can listen to, not all of them, uh, there are some very good online Christian radio stations where the music is great, but most of the broadcast stuff is trying to appeal to, uh, to all kinds of different people, and it's, it's not much better. It's a little better, but not much better than the world's music. Uh, in any event, the desire of God here is to be praised uh, with a new song in the sense of something that was very different, something radically different uh, than our old life. Whereas in your old life, you might have been grateful for and hopeful for and, and praised worldly things. Now we know the Lord and our hope is in him and based on him. Uh, and we have new desires. We're new creatures uh, with a new theme for our lives. Uh, and uh, there should be a new song in our hearts. And literally, we should desire to sing uh, because of this. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. Out with the world's music, uh, in with godly biblical music, uh, whether it's old or new, godly biblical music uh, that is righteous and good and, and uplifting. Uh, Colossians 3 and verse 16, it made reference to this. Uh, here's command, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns uh, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. We've looked at those three words before, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Uh, psalms, I believe, are literally psalms and, uh, and hymns are, are very, the most worshipful songs. They, they exalt God for who he is. Uh, and what he's like. Uh, they're they're, they're uh, not necessarily focused on the benefits of our salvation. Uh, they focus on exalting God uh, for who he is, whereas spiritual songs are more about celebrating what God has done for us. And, and so a good balance between the two, hymns and spiritual songs, something that we try to uh, be mindful of uh, here in our church. Give you one more cross-reference, Psalm 28 and verse 7. The Bible says, the Lord is my strength and my shield. Amen. Uh, my heart trusted in him, the psalmist says, and I am helped. He says, therefore, my heart greatly rejoiceth, and with my song will I praise him. Uh, over and over and over again, the Bible encourages, it commands, uh, as it does here in our passage today, commands us, uh, to sing praises to the Lord, but boy, when your heart's right with him and, uh, and you consider that you've been made a new creature and you've been given a new song, 
it's, it shouldn't be that hard to sing, even if you, you can't technically sing well, even if it's hard to sing through the masks that we're having to wear today. Uh, you know, I, I read, Brother Ray, in California that California is temporarily prohibiting uh, church members from singing at church because it may be uh, dangerous and in, in that it may spread the coronavirus. Listen, keep your mask on at church and sing. God's commanded us uh, to be in church. And I realize we've said if it's, if it's not yet safe for you, you need to be wise about that. But if it is safe for you to be here, we, we want you to be here when we're open for in-person services. And uh, we want to keep it safe. We'll wear the masks and we'll sing. Uh, we'll sing because God desires that. And it's a joyful thing. Again, tonight, if, if your heart has not been to sing, I urge you to just say, God, give me a heart to sing praises to you. Uh, literally, to sing in the assembly, uh, in the congregation. Of course, Jesus did that. Uh, the Bible records, or Bible actually prophesied that he would do that. And the Bible records that they did do that. Um, and so uh, the Lord gives us a, a good example in that area as well. Well, let's see also tonight um, in verse 2. In verse 2, we see this point. Uh, God's people are called to rejoice in him. Uh, God's people are called to rejoice in him. Hey, our praise should be joyful. It shouldn't be this kind of, oh, I got to go praise the Lord. I got to go to church and uh, the pastor is going to bug me to sing. No, that's, that's not a right heart at all. Uh, Lord, help us. Uh, Lord, help us to have a right heart. Help us to be people who, who praise you with joy and rejoicing. Uh, listen, find some things to be thankful for. Uh, Lord, fill my heart with gratitude, specific things that I ought to be grateful for. Bring those to mind and fill my heart with gratitude and, and rejoice my heart in those things so that as I praise you in song, uh, there'll be a real joy, uh, a joyfulness in that. See verse 2, let Israel rejoice in him that made him. Let children of Zion be joyful uh, in their king. Now listen, I understand this verse is making a specific and literal reference to Israel, to the nation of Israel. Uh, we are not Israel. We have not and will not replace Israel in God's plan. Uh, that's replacement theology. We believe that's uh, very much contrary to the Bible. Uh, but listen, uh, we can still take the principle from this verse. Uh, the principle, uh, the, the literal verse may be directed to the nation of Israel, children of Israel, but the principle can be applied to all of uh, God's people. We have the same king. Uh, be joyful uh, in, in their king. We have the same king. It, it, the king is the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, he's the king of kings. Uh, he's the king of kings. Uh, in the New Testament, we find uh, similar uh, commands, similar imperatives. Uh, for example, in 1 Thessalonians uh, 5 and verse 16, the Bible says, Rejoice with them that do rejoice. It also says, Weep with them that weep. Hey, there's a time for rejoicing and a time for weeping. Uh, sometimes people need to mourn losses, and that's important emotionally and spiritually. Uh, but most of the time, uh, we can be people of great rejoicing. Even when we're mourning and weeping at the loss of a friend or family member, uh, if that person's saved, we can rejoice with them that rejoice, knowing that person is now home with the Lord and with the certainty that we will see that person again. Romans 15 and verse 10 says, uh, again, he said, Rejoice, uh, ye Gentiles. 
Uh, again, praise the Lord, all ye Gentiles, and laud him, uh, all ye people. I like a passage in uh, Philippians chapter 2, uh, beginning in verse 16. There, uh, Paul writes to the saved, baptized Philippian church members, and uh, he's writing about how he looks forward to rejoicing, to praising God and, and, and rejoicing uh, with, with praiseful joy. Uh, We've got to mix up the joy and, the, and the, the praise. God's doing that here. Not mix them up, but mix them together, mixing them together. Uh, Paul writes of looking forward to rejoicing at the return of Christ. And this ties back directly to the morning message, the certain hope that we have in the Lord. Uh, part of our hope is the great joy and rejoicing that we will know at his return. Because, listen, at, at that point, our, our, our problems, our trials are done. That's it. Uh, that, that's it. Uh, so Paul, of course, had a joy uh, despite his trials and tribulations and, and persecution. But he looked ahead with confident joy. And, and by the way, that's, that's what um, biblical joy is. Uh, it's very hard to celebrate, forgive me, it's very hard to separate biblical joy from hope because both are based in, in the, uh, the, the faithfulness of God. Uh, faith and, and biblical hope and biblical joy are all based on a steadfast confidence in the Lord. Uh, biblical joy, you know, it's hard to be uh, really exuberantly joyful when things are hard, but it's not hard to find a steady confidence in the Lord, a steady, confident hopefulness, and, and a faith. Lord, give us that, please. You have to pray that sometimes. Lord, help me to get back to that place in the face of difficulty. Biblical joy is more about that. There can be an exuberance and an emotional component to it. Praise God when, when that's the case. But um, the, the more common uh, biblical joy is, is a steadfast confidence uh, and a peace and a hope and a faithfulness. These things all overlap to a great extent, and, and, and that's okay. Well, here's what Paul said uh, there in Philippians 2, beginning in verse 16. Uh, he's looking forward to rejoicing at the return of Christ. He says, uh, holding forth the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, uh, in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your uh, faith, I joy and rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do ye joy uh, and rejoice with me. Paul was looking forward to the day of Christ. Uh, to his return, to the return of Christ, with just a wonderful, hopeful, confident joy. And, and, and he praised God for that. Uh, you praise God for the hope that we have. Praise him for the hope that we have. Have that hope. Uh, bear in mind the things that we saw this morning in the 11 o'clock message, uh, just as we kind of surveyed scripture topically. I know we don't do that a lot, but boy, that's beneficial sometimes. And Maybe we ought to do just a little bit more of that, uh, just a bit more than that. Um, praise God. Praise God for the joy that we can have as we hope and as we praise God. Uh, Charles Spurgeon, um, great uh, 
British preacher of the 19th century said, there is a duty, a reasonableness, and a benefit to holy joy. It's a duty, but, but we, we benefit from that as well. He also said, we are a peculiar people with uh, a particular God, and we should find a peculiar joy in him. Well, praise God, that, that's a good quote. Absolutely truthful. Lord, thank you for the joy that we can find in you. Listen, if you'll start praising God, if you'll just say, Lord, I don't necessarily feel like praising, because sometimes that's how you feel, right? Uh, if that's the case, you, you, can, you can say, Lord, I, I give me grace to strength, grace in that sense, just to obey your command to praise you. I'm just going to just pray uh, and praise you. And, and Lord, when I get to church, I'm going to sing, no matter how bad it sounds to my ears, I'm going to sing praises out to you. Uh, and, and, and God, help me to do that joyfully. You, you watch, you wait. The Lord will bless you. Uh, he'll, he'll enable you to do that, and, and he will bring forth the joy. Remember, it's a fruit of the Spirit. You just yield uh, to do what he says, praise him, uh, and, and he will bring in, he'll mix in the joy. You need some more joy? Uh, just get yielded, get praising, yield yourself to him. You pray, God, help me to do that, uh, and he will bless with joy. Praise God for that. Uh, praise God for that. Um, Look at verse 3. So we've, we've looked at song. That's one of the practical ways that uh, God desires us to praise him. And of course, we see that in both the Old Testament and the New Testament under the Old Covenant as well as under the New Covenant. Uh, and so that's, that remains part of our corporate worship. And by the way, you can sing at home. There's nothing wrong with having a hymnal at home. Don't steal the hymnal. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with having a hymnal at home and, and singing at home. We used to know a couple that shared with us that they, uh, they sing together some hymns every morning. I thought, what a great idea. Uh, what a great idea. That, that, uh, I've not done that, but um, I'll, I'll bet that would be a, a great practice. And if you think that would be a help to you, uh, go ahead and do that. So there's song. And then in verse 3, we see uh, dance. Let them praise his name in the dance. Let them sing praises unto him with the timbrel and harp. So those are instruments. Uh, we'll see, Lord willing, next week in the next psalm, uh, verse, Psalm 150, verse 4, praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and organs. But uh, dance shows up in, in both of these verses. Now, uh, Someone's thinking, uh, but we're Baptists. We, we don't dance. Well, uh, we taught, and I'll continue to teach, that uh, Baptist people, uh, God's people, who are trying to live a life that is uh, aligned with um, God's word practically, you know, dance, dancing is typically very worldly. It's typically done in a very worldly style, and uh, it, when that's the case, it, it becomes a temptation for those that that look upon it. We have examples of that in the New Testament. Uh, wicked dance that, uh, that led to temptation. Uh, so yeah, we're, we should refrain from that. We should refrain from that. I'm not saying a husband and wife can't dance privately at home. You know, that's, that's fine. That, that's up to you. I don't think there's any problem with that. But uh, public dance that is sensual and, and worldly, uh, that should be avoided. And so the dance of Scripture, we understand, is very different than that. It, it, it was intended to be a very worshipful thing. 
um, um, a, 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 a way of worshiping God, uh, a way of expressing uh, praise uh, uh, outwardly uh, and joyfully. And, and so this is very different than the sensual, worldly uh, dance that you might see out there today. Um, a very different, a different style, different in purpose, uh, certainly. Uh, there's references to dance elsewhere in the Bible. Exodus 15, uh, when the people passed through the Red Sea. Uh, Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out after her with timbrels and, and with dances. That was a, a, a joyful uh, way of praising God for delivering them from uh, their enemies. Um, and so that's the idea. Now, it's, it's interesting. Dr. Cloud uh, observes that there's no, there's no dance in the New Testament. Uh, and and he, he just wondered about that and, and wrote a little bit on that. Uh, he theorized that there's no reference to dance, worshipful dance, like we see in the Old Testament. Uh, in the New Testament, uh, because the bridegroom, the Lord Jesus Christ, has, has gone away. Um, and that perhaps uh, at the return of Christ um, or uh, at the rapture, uh, when the bride and the bridegroom, Christ and, and his people, uh, the church, if you will, are, are brought together and that, that uh, relationship is spiritually consummated uh, and at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Uh, perhaps there'll be dancing in heaven at that point. I don't know, uh, but it's interesting that Dr. Cloud makes this observation. Hey, in the Old Testament, there's, there's dance, but uh, now the, the bridegroom, the Lord Jesus Christ, has come and he's gone for a time, and perhaps that's why there's no dance in the New Testament. I don't know, and I don't want to uh, kind of uh, consider, devote too much more time to considering that, but uh, it's important that we understand the purpose of dance in the Old Testament, and I think also the possibility of dance, uh, heavenly worshipful dance in the future. Uh, I don't know uh, if that's the case or not, but I think it's kind of an interesting possibility. Uh, and it's one of those things we'll just have to say, well, okay, we'll, we'll wait and see. Uh, we'll wait and see. Uh, so there's uh, the theme, <laughs> nonetheless, uh, we're called to uh, praise the Lord with joy in our hearts and in these very practical ways. Song would certainly be uh, one way today. In, in closing here, let, let's see some purposes here quickly. Some of the purposes, uh, the biblical uh, praise has great purposes. Biblical praise has great purposes. Uh, why, why praise the Lord? Well, he's commanded us. We've already seen that. It's a command of God. So we can ask God, help us to do that. Lord, give me grace. Give me strength to do that. Uh, but also we see here in verse 4, uh, it pleases the Lord. And uh, as you know, if, if you've been <laughs> coming here or listening to our messages for long, sooner or later you're going to run into Revelation 4.11, which shows us that uh, God's purpose for all of creation is, is it, that it pleases him. Uh, he desires that all of his creation would please him. That's uh, a great purpose for uh, his creative act uh, in bringing everything into existence. Well, here we see in verse 4, For the Lord taketh pleasure uh, in his people. Now, that's a general statement. But in context, uh, th this shows up um, toward the middle of a song, a psalm that begins and ends with praise ye the Lord. So I think we might say in context, uh, the Lord is pleased by our praise. This would seem to be the case in context. 
the Lord the Lord's pleased by our praise that pleases him and that um, in part fulfills our purpose for being pleasing the Lord uh, bringing pleasure to him uh, as we praise him uh, is one of the purposes and you know I think it's probably the most important purpose God desires our worship and praise it pleases him it is a help to us but far more importantly it exalts him and pleases him as we bring honor and glory to him uh, he is pleased and boy what an amazing privilege what an amazing privilege to be able to find grace and strength from the lord to obey his words and to know that in that uh, your obedience is bringing pleasure to your creator that's an amazing privilege that we have to please uh, the Lord. I, despite the fact that, practically speaking, we're such great sinners, uh, the blood of Christ has covered our sins, and so the Lord can see us as righteous, and as we praise him as people who occupy that position of righteousness, uh, that pleases the Lord. What a privilege! What a privilege! Sing out! Praise him! Praise him in your prayers! Uh, sing at home, sing in church, uh, it pleases the Lord. Uh, it pleases the Lord. We have other reminders, of course, about um, why, uh, why the purposes, the, the purposes uh, of praise, but, but pleasing him uh, would certainly, it would certainly be the most important thing. Uh, and then lastly, uh, lastly, and we, we've alluded to this already, uh, praise the Lord because we, we have a great hope, a, a great hope of uh, Christ's return. And, you know, we looked at that idea this morning around the idea of hope, just the, the hope. Uh, we have a, a hope that is rooted in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, but also in his return uh, because that's when our resurrection will occur, the first part of his return uh, at the rapture. Um, the writer here, the psalmist, also looks ahead to the praiseworthiness of God uh, at his coming of Christ, I should say, specifically, God the Son, uh, the great praiseworthiness of Christ when he comes to usher in the millennium. Of course, the Old Testament writers understood the millennium. They didn't, they didn't necessarily see a church age, you understand that. God did not uh, clearly revealed the church age, revealed the coming of Christ and his death, his burial, his resurrection, of course. Uh, they, Old Testament prophets didn't necessarily see the church age, but boy, they saw the millennium. They saw the millennium. God clearly revealed the millennium to them. Uh, and so it's no surprise that they would anticipate uh, a great praise happening at the time of the coming of Christ to defeat the Lord's enemies and to usher in uh, his thousand-year millennial reign. And, and I think it's pretty clear that um, the last several verses do allude to that time, as we've said. See verse 6, quickly. Verse 6 is a little bit different. It says, Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand uh, to execute vengeance upon the heathen, punishments uh, upon the people, uh, to bind their kings uh, with chains, those that are arrayed against Israel, God's people, and their nobles with fetters or chains of iron, to execute upon them the judgment written, this honor 
uh, we have all his saints. We've talked about that a little bit already. Uh, but look at verse 6. Uh, it says, let the high, and praises is supplied by the translators. They, they've filled that in, and they've, they've signaled that to you by italicizing the word praises there. But the Hebrew is um, the high. Let the high of God be, be in their mouth. And the word that's translated high only appears here. This is the only place, uh, at least the only place I can find it in Scripture. Uh, it literally has the idea of, of high and lifted up. It pictures exaltation. Uh, it pictures one, as we've alluded to already tonight, it pictures one of the great purposes of praising the Lord. Yes, we praise him because he desires that. He's commanded that. He desires it. It pleases him. Uh, but we, we praise him also because he's worthy of it. Uh, he's worthy of it like no one is worthy of it. Uh, let the high praises of God be in their mouths uh, at, at the, the, the second coming of Christ, at, at the millennium. Uh, this is a great exaltation. The word literally refers to lifting something up uh, for the purpose of exalting it and, and making it seen um, and, 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 and encouraging others to see uh, the, the nature of, of that thing that, that is lifted up and high and, and exalted. Uh, by the way, this is in direct um, opposition to our tendency uh, to lift up and magnify ourselves. Proverbs 30 and verse 13 says, There's a generation, oh, how lofty of their eyes, and their eyelids are lifted up. Uh, we naturally have a, a greater desire to exalt to magnify, to lift up ourselves, to try to get attention for ourselves uh, versus trying to get others to see the Lord, uh, to put their attention on him. Lord, help us. <laughs> Lord, help us uh, quash our pride. Help us to be humble. Give us a much greater desire to lift you up than ourselves. Uh, Lord, help us. Uh, Jesus, even Jesus, when he prayed, John 17, verse 1, Jesus, when he prayed, lifted up his eyes uh, to heaven. Uh, he was not attempting to exalt himself as he did that. He lifted his eyes up to heaven, uh, recognizing that the Father uh, was in heaven. Uh, the Father had an authority uh, to send him uh, to come and, and to die for us. Uh, it's a Jesus himself recognized the great authority uh, of the Father. I understand Jesus has the same authority, uh, but there, there's a, uh, a submissiveness of Christ to the authority of the Father, and there, there's, a, there's a, in that a hierarchy that he recognizes. Uh, they're equal, but he, he came recognizing that uh, he came in submission to the authority of the Father. He lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, thy hours come, glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee or you. Uh, Christ himself, his great desire was not to glorify himself, but to glorify his Father who sent him. What a wonderful example uh, for us. Jesus himself, Jesus himself recognized uh, the praiseworthiness of, of the Father and sought to glorify the Father more than himself. Father, give us a heart to glorify our Savior more than uh, ourselves. By the way, the Bible says the Lord is high and lifted up and therefore worthy of being exalted. 
uh, in Isaiah's vision of Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1, uh, the Bible says, In the year that King Uzziah died, uh, I, Isaiah, saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, Isaiah's vision, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple, uh, the heavenly temple. Uh, the Lord high and lifted up. He is high and lifted up. Uh, he is therefore worthy uh, of exaltation. Let me try that again, exaltation. Of course, we understand that Christ was literally lifted up upon a cross, and he is now literally ascended up to the right hand uh, of the Father. The Bible says in Psalm 96 and verse 4, the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. The Bible says in Luke 2 and verse 14, glory to God in the highest. He is the highest. He is high and lifted up. He is worthy of praise that exalts him. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Our psalm, as we've seen already, concludes with a reiteration, a reminder. Praise ye everyone. Exalt him, magnify him, lift him up, express gratitude, thankfulness. Do that joyfully. Uh, do that prayerfully and with song. Do it musically. Give you a, a final verse tonight and we're done. A final praise for tonight from the final book of Scripture. In John's vision that's recorded in Revelation 19 and verse 6, John writes under inspiration, I heard as if it were the voice of a great multitude. This is a vision of heaven. And the voice of many waters. And as the voice of mighty thunderings saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent, all-powerful reigneth. That is a great and wonderful truth. And that truth is a great and wonderful um, purpose or occasion to praise God. He is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. He is sovereign even when it does not look that way. He's sovereign in a time of coronavirus. Uh, he's sovereign in a time of unrest in our streets. He's sovereign during a time of political concern and uncertainty. Uh, he's sovereign no matter what. The Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Now listen, if you didn't find anything else that you could praise God for tonight, please grab a hold of that. He is the Lord God who is omnipotent and he is reigning even now. He has authority. He has power like no one else. It is absolute, and it is unchanging, and it is an occasion to praise him. And so let's praise him joyfully. Let's do that prayerfully. Uh, let's bow our heads. Father, thank you so very much tonight for being a God who is so very worthy of praise. Lord, I thank you for the frequent reminders in the Psalms to praise you. Lord, we get caught up in ourselves. We desire to heap praise and attention upon ourselves. Lord, forgive us. Father, help us uh, to confess a, a greater interest at times 
in exalting ourselves over you. Lord, help us to take ourselves off the throne and uh, in our minds and hearts to put you back upon the throne that you, uh, you do literally occupy. Lord, I, I pray tonight that we would have such a gratitude in our hearts for who you are, what you have done, are doing, and will do, the hope that we have. Lord, that there just be such a, a thankfulness and gratitude in our hearts that praise would pour forth. Lord, that we would give you the adoration that you deserve. Lord, that there would be a, a great and growing gratitude in our hearts and a constant giving of thanks. Lord, help us to be in the business of praising you. Lord, I love you tonight. I thank you for all of your words, for their power in my life and in our church. Give us a hunger to remain in your word throughout this week. And Lord, show us those things that you'd have us to see. Help us to come to your word each day with hearts bowed before you prayerfully. Uh, Lord, show me what you would have me to see in this passage today. And Lord, show me how you would have me to apply it practically to my life today. Father, give us a heart to praise you throughout the week, joyfully, confidently, gratefully. Lord, I love you. I thank you. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for uh, tuning in tonight. Uh, our next in-person service will be, Lord willing, Wednesday night here at the church at 7 p.m. We'll continue our study through the book of Judges and I encourage you to be here uh, if you possibly can. If you have, meanwhile, if you have prayer requests or, or needs, please reach out to me. I uh, would like to be able to pray and to be whatever practical help I can as well. So uh, thank you also for your encouragement uh, to me. I love you and I'm grateful for that. Have a blessed night, please.